Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Self Therapy. This is your host, Daniel Dunn, and I'm here recording another episode. Um, I'm actually starting a new series, and I'm kind of excited about it. I'm starting a new series. I'm going to call it Free Therapy. Kind of like in a sense of it's free. It's like it's like it has a, a double meaning, I guess. So free therapy is kind of like free because it's like you don't have to pay any money for this. And also it's free because like... I'm giving you free life advice, not that you really want it, but I mean, I mean, if you listen to it, I guess you wanted to listen to it, but anyways, yeah, so I'm calling it free therapy, this is like my series where I just like go over like random topics that I can't necessarily make an episode out of because they're not that complex enough to do so, you know, so yeah, I, oh, oh my gosh, by the way, I was listening to my editing, because I was going to upload a podcast, um, on New Year, New Me, and I feel so bad for y'all, because the way I say, so yeah, um, so many times, and but, like, I didn't even realize how much I said it before, until I was recording and editing my podcast, so I apologize for that, I'm going to try my hardest to not say it as much as I do. But I have a list of topics written down that I can probably go over in like five to ten minutes. Although I do have to be at work in an hour. So I might record part of it now and then record part of it later. I don't know. But to start off. So, okay. So for part one, overthinking. And I feel as though overthinking can be... Overthinking can be viewed in so many different perspectives and angles because I feel as though overthinking is different for every single person in terms of some people may view overthinking as thinking about literally the same thing over and over and over again. And it gets like very irritating to think about that subject. And then some people may view overthinking as you you're like... It the every time you get reminded, every time there's a stimulus that revamps a certain event that happened in your lifetime, then you start thinking about what happened. Like for instance, you talk to your crush, let's say you talk to your crush and they rolled their eyes while they were talking to you or something like that. And now every time you see like a show where like they're rolling their eyes or you see somebody talk about their like crush or whatever It just, like, the loop just repeats itself of your crush rolling their eyes at you because they couldn't have even been... They might have not even been rolling their eyes at you. But anyways, that's just an example. But I feel as though in order to stop overthinking, you... It's almost where you kind of need to offer yourself reassurance in in the fact that you're probably... You're wrong. And it's okay to be wrong, but... Sometimes it also depends because sometimes your overthinking isn't wrong per se, but your the amount that you're doing is harming yourself mentally. Like when I say that, I mean it as in you're thinking what I'm saying is the thought process behind the overthinking is correct. You just need to stop stressing yourself out so much about said topic. That's what I mean by that. Also to stop overthinking, one of my major things that I do to when I'm like overthinking about a lot of stuff, I just try to offer myself reassurance and I'm like, okay, like this happened, this happened, this happened. Like you have to walk, basically walk back through the steps of what happened leading up to the event that you're overthinking about and being like, okay, well, 
this happened and that's okay like this it it will happen sometimes and that's okay you're not the first person you're definitely not going to be the last and it's okay to be going through this experience and you just it's kind of like one of those things where you're not going to get out of it necessarily but you're definitely it's definitely something you have to walk through and just slowly be kind with yourself and be gentle with yourself and let yourself know that there is a end route and it's all going to be okay and that the person that or the thing or whatever that you're overthinking about isn't thinking about that thing as much as you are but yeah that's what i think about overthinking oh there i go again i said it again that's what i think about overthinking it's it's harder than it sounds i know because it took me a really 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 long time to stop because when i tell you i literally used i used to like trip in the hallway of school and I see somebody like smirk or something like that, but it wasn't even at me. Like they were talking to their friends. They weren't even looking in my direction when I tripped and I would just, I would literally want to let go in the bathroom and break down because I was overthinking it. I was giving it more attention. Oh yeah, that's one of the, another thing. You're giving it more attention than it needs. When you stop giving those thoughts, the attention that you're, um, that the negativity craves, then you're not then you can also start to see that go down as well. And that goes for, like, just about anything. Just got that nasty work notification in an hour. No, I don't want to go there. Importance of trust in relationship. You cannot be in a relationship and not trust your significant other, not trust... And when I say relationship, I don't just mean... Um... I don't just mean, like, love, like, marital, like, romantic relationships. I'm talking about, like, relationships in general, like, friendships, partnerships, just anything in general. You can't go into something with somebody and not trust that person. And I understand that people have trust issues, but it only go it goes to a certain point of, if you have trust issues and I feel like you shouldn't really be trying to make friends, I feel like you should be trying to resolve those issues because... At some point, it, the friendship is going to end up ending. Like, I can tell you that right now, 100%. The friendship is going to end up ending because you don't trust somebody with certain stuff that you tell them. And that, and it's okay to have certain people that you tell certain stuff and certain people that you don't tell other stuff. But it's like when you can't tell somebody anything because you're afraid they're going to, like, say something or you don't, or you think they're going to judge them or something like that, then it's like there's only a certain amount of trust that certain relationships need like for instance you don't have to trust your friends like you would trust a significant other but that also goes the other way where you don't want to if you're upgrading because i feel like if you have a significant other you should always you should you should already be friends with them before y'all become like partners i feel like it makes the whole entire transition process better i feel like you know each other personally more well um i think it just it's better overall because yeah 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 there's like first love at first sight and all that stuff but it's like at the end of the day do you you don't really know that person so it's like you're taking those building blocks and the relationship is just going to take a lot longer and I don't know, it's just not the right option for everybody. Also, I feel as though it's like, if you don't trust somebody, I feel like you need to... I think I feel like you should do some kind of trust-building exercise... Ex, 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 exercises. Exercises 
with said person or there could you could have been somebody that grew up with trust issues which is understandable because i know like a couple people but that's just i feel as though that's just something that's a part of the healing process that as you get older as you meet more people as more people come and go in your life and as you experience more stuff and gain wisdom i feel like with that comes the ability to trust certain people because not everybody's meant to be trust and like let's just be honest not everybody you meet in your life is meant to be told any or everything and some people are just there for character development moments or for you know like basic necessities in life but not to be trusted not for long term you know stuff like that so building trust i feel as though is like something where you want to do it once you know that you want the person in your life for more than like six months i would say because like let's say for instance you have a school friendship but it's exactly that it's like a how do you say this like an occupational friendship i also i almost want to say because you're only friends with them when you're in school but, like, outside of school, you don't really talk to them. You don't really, like, think about them or anything like that. Then you don't want to necessarily offer that person trust, even though you are going to be with that person for eight months. I feel as though it's, like, because then when the school year ends, you don't really know how that person functions since you just met them at the beginning of the school year. And let's just be honest. They're only telling you what about themselves that you, they want you to hear about them. They're not telling you the full truth. So you don't necessarily want to give those people your full trust but if you meet somebody and then like let's say sixth grade when you get into middle school and then you're still friends with them and then until seventh grade and middle school and you get classes again and you're friends with them again that's when i would say it's okay to start opening up in terms of giving that person your trust and just by the way i want to say trust for me personally is not something when i say trust i don't mean like petty little like secrets and stuff like that i mean like Stuff that you wouldn't normally tell other people, such as something that's happening in your family or something that you want to tell somebody, but if you told the wrong person, it would get you in trouble or stuff like that. That's what I mean by trust or, like, if you have something and you need somebody to hold... If you have something and you need somebody to hold on to it that's important to you, that's what I mean by trust. I don't just mean, like, petty little secrets or, like... I have a crush on such and such and such and such and stuff like that. Like, that stuff is... It doesn't really require trust. It requires... I don't know what... Like, it's not necessarily trust. It's something that has to do with it. Like, it's a fake version. It's a fake version. It's almost like a... It's a complex of trust, but it's not the exact word. Let me go look it up. Okay, that's what the word I was looking for. When somebody reassures you that they're not going to tell anybody, but then they go and tell somebody. That's what I mean by you don't really need to have that trust, you know, because you don't really know if the person is lying or not. But that's what I mean when I say that. Okay. And I don't know if I ever touch base on it, but I'll touch base on it anyways importance and it's very important in relationships i do believe i touched on this but even so i want to say it again because i don't really think people understand this the relationship is not going to last long and if it does kudos to you but are you happy is the question you're in the relationship but you don't really trust this person to be able to hold your innermost thoughts like i feel like 
at the end of the day, you're, you wasted your life because we only live for so long and you're wasting part of the precious life that was given to you on a person who you can't even trust to hold something special for you or or you can, like, vent to them, um, not trauma dump, but vent, you know, there's, like, totally a difference between the two. But somebody you can vent to and you know they won't go and tell the person you're venting about the business that you're venting about. But, yeah. It's very important in your life, and I really hope everybody has or had or will have eventually somebody who they can trust to talk to about whatever they want to talk to. But then I feel like trust also goes so much to where it's like, yes, you trust somebody, but don't necessarily trauma dump on them because you trust them. I feel like you can only put so much on one other person because you don't really know what they're going through. I mean, yeah, they might tell you what they're going through, but, like, is that really what they're going through? Is that, like, or is that, like, all of the story, you know? So, I would say don't necessarily trauma dump, but, like, venting every now and again is fine, you know? Falling out of love. Okay. So, I see, like, a lot of people all the time on, like, TikToks and stuff, and they're like, I'm falling out of love with my significant other, but I don't know how to tell them. And I feel as though it's, like, it's okay to have your as a person as a character in your own life as the main character in your own life it's okay to have character development and change over time not only mentally but and physically but also emotionally and with that and and what that also entails is you might not like the person that you once fell in love with and it could be the same exact person that you fell in love with and it could have changed drastically but that's I feel like that's just life in general. Like you're not always going to be fixated on the same person that you once were, and that's totally fine. And I feel like you need to communicate with that with your partner as soon as possible so you can get through the process of grief and then be back on the market for whoever might be available that you might have a new in, a newfound interest in. But I feel like communicating with that with them, I know is going to be difficult. And the person still could might be in love with you, but you need to let them know that you're doing it for yourself and not for them. And that you still, there's still that part of you, and I don't know, I'm just, I might just be speaking for myself, but there could still be that part of you that really does love that person. But, you know, it's, it might be time to move on with your life. And that's totally fine. And I feel like as long as you're communicating that with them, in a timely manner. And I, when I say timely manner, I mean, like, don't wait a year and be like, let me just confirm that it's true, that I'm not in love anymore, and I'll break up with them. Don't do that. Like, do it. I would say do it a couple of days after you get the feeling, if the feeling is resonating with your heart, you know? But if it's, like, an on and off thing, that might be that might be a problem with communication that y'all just might need to have about, like, problems in the relationship. But, Yeah. Making friends in new places. Okay, so the key to making friends in new places is... So, one, the first and foremost is be yourself because, as I say literally like every episode, I change I changed it up because, you know, but 
every episode I say be yourself because there's nobody else that can be you and you're most likely going to find friends that want to stick around with you if you show them your personality on day one and you don't change it up over time, you know? Like, I don't want to meet... I don't want to meet Beyonce on day one when we first meet and become friends. And the next thing I know, you're like Kanye West, babe. Like, I don't... I don't really need that inconsistency with the whole entire... um, With that whole entire transparency with the whole entire personality thing i just need transparency with who you are and when i say transparency i mean like in the fact of i need to see you as a person as like an individual and not see you as somebody else or trying to be somebody else you know so i would say be yourself put yourself out there um i know it's a little bit hard about so I've I've been like kind of like studying how I make friends personally. So how I make friends personally is I'll like usually have like one singular friend who's friends with other people and I'll insert myself, not insert, but I'll like be standing outside of the group of people that are talking and I'll hear something funny and I'll laugh and I'll like put my own little insert and then everybody will laugh usually because I'm like a pretty funny person. And then like we'll like bounce off of each other and then next thing you know, like we're friends, we're following each other on socials. There's simple stuff like that, but I feel like that works for the more funnier crowd and then for the more crowd that's like, I need like chill laid back friends. I feel like it works in the same way except you have to it's kind of like slowly inserting yourself into a group or and or if it's not a group and it's just literally one person you want to be friends with i would say try following them on socials not in like a weird way don't just like follow their instagram twitter facebook like snapchat literally everything in one night but i would say like follow their instagram and like comment on their posts and be like oh, this is cute, or this is cool, or I like this, or something like that. And then eventually, like, if you're into the some of the, if you have some of the same interests, you could, like, DM this person and be like, oh, like, let's say y'all both produce music. You would be like, oh, like, what do you use to do this, that, and the third? And then the person would be like, oh, but I use this. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool, and such and such and such and such. And the conversation would go on eventually. And then you could start talking in person more, you know? Making friends can be kind of difficult sometimes. But I feel like once you get to the point of y'all are, like, besties or y'all are very close, I feel like it's all going to be worth it within the end of putting yourself out there. And even if the person that you want to be friends with, you find out that they aren't exactly the person that you thought you were going to be friends with, then I feel like also go by the motto that everything happens for a reason. I feel as though, and if they're not meant to be in your life, like I said previously then the relationship's gonna die out or it was just a character development moment and they weren't truly meant to be in your life at all but more for like a life lesson or something like that you know but making friends in new places is definitely an interesting topic that applies to different people in different i feel like different areas as well because everybody makes friends differently like you know how the you know how there's, like, a stereotype that the South is a lot more friendlier than the North. And I don't even think it's a stereotype, babe, because I, I do believe that. Because I have gone to New York, babe, and let's just say it's, it was not given Georgia. It was not given Georgia. 
But, and I don't really mind that because, yeah, but making new friends is difficult at first, but easier as you get comfortable in your own skin. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about that. Romanticizing your life, on the other hand. Now, that's a topic that I personally, I personally love. Okay, so I'm just now recently getting into romanticizing my life. And I found out how to do it via TikTok. So I'm going to kind of give y'all like my tips and tricks, but also kind of like uh, how I do it and how I see other people do it. You know, and like a little definition. So basically, romanticizing your life is um, making your life to where it seems like it's something that every day you wake up and you glorify, you're basically glorifying your whole entire existence. That's basically what romanticizing your life is. Like you're bringing, you're leveling your whole entire life up in a way of you feel motivated to get up and do certain stuff or literally anything for that matter. Like, for instance, for me, I literally have to romanticize my life because if not, I am literally the most um, procrastinating, um, senioritis-having, l- bad-looking person in the, pre- in the on the planet. Like, so how I romanticizing... Anyway, Sha, how I romanticize my life is I usually try to, like, music is the main, main thing. Especially for getting dressed or, like, putting a decent outfit together, um, studying, cooking, stuff like that. So, how I romanticize my life is when I'm getting dressed, you know, how you're like, okay, well, I want to wear something cute, but I'm really feeling something. Like, I don't feel like putting something cute, but I want to look cute, you know? So, what I usually do is I, like, put on, like, main character music, you know, in a sense. Like there's like plenty of tic- um plenty of TikTok playlists on YouTube for main character music, but I like made my own on Spotify, you know whatever. Got to use up my ninety nine nine ninety nine somehow, but I made a play a playlist on um Spotify and I usually just like listen to it when I'm getting dressed in the morning, and it kind of like helps amp up the whole like my ego in a way because if I did not have music, babe, the ego would be she she would be shattered. But that usually helps. And also, you kind of have to put yourself in, like, the main character point of view as, like, this is your life and the people around you are... And I feel like this is literally everybody. Like, it literally applies to everybody. You are the main character in your own life and literally all the other people are just background characters. So, kind of live like that and I feel like that's another main part of romanticizing your life. Knowing that you can choose to do whatever you want to do with your life. Also, when I'm studying, another way I romanticize my life is I like to, I don't know why, babe, but I like to lay out all my books on my, like, laptop and my iPad and stuff like that all over the table. It makes it look like I'm, like, being really studious. And then when I feel like I look like I'm being really studious, I'm actually really studious, you know? I don't know how that works. I don't know why that works, but it works for some reason. But, yeah... Also, taking pictures and videos of random moments also is a way of romanticizing your life and, and makes you want to go out and do more because you like to... It's like kind of the fun, the photos are kind of like aesthetic right now, especially with the whole TikTok trend of everybody like posting photo dumps and stuff on TikTok. 
that can make your whole entire life um, romanticized and aesthetified. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. Oh, also walking around. Now this used to work for me, but I don't even, I don't even use it anymore. But walking around and thinking that everybody, you know, has a crush on you is also a a decent way to romanticize your life. Um, it can be kind of harmful to some people with low self-esteem issues and stuff like that. But for most, it is a pretty good way to romanticize your life. And especially when you go to school or just want to go out in public in general, you don't really like going out in public. Just um, doing ha- doing the whole everybody has a crush on me thing is so... It's so... It's detriment. It was detrimental to me at one point. I was like, "Yeah, like everybody has a crush on me, like, duh, because I'm just that girl." But no, it's it was it was definitely interesting, and then I had to like snap myself back in reality and be like, because it was getting a little too far, and I was like, "Babe, no, please let's stop. Like, let's let's calm down a bit." But it's definitely an interesting experience to experience if you've ever done it before, which I feel like like everybody's done it before. Who hasn't? Who hasn't had that kind of superiority complex before? And I might be sounding a little egotistical, but protecting your energy slash aura slash vibe is another... I feel like it's almost a part of romanticizing your life just for the simple fact of you want to... In order to do so, you have to... It's kind of centered around the way that you live your life. Such as you don't want to hang out with the wrong crowd. And when I say the wrong crowd, I mean... Not necessarily what the crowd does, but how the crowd carries themselves. In terms of, you don't want to hang out with people who do stuff that you're against. Because I feel like you're giving those people, especially if you're getting close to these people, you're giving these people a piece of you. And in turn, they're taking the piece, like molding it into something that they like and giving it back to you. Kind of, sort of, in a way. And then it's like, well, now that's your vibe. Like, you have to kind of protect yourself and know when to set boundaries, basically. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You need to know when to set boundaries. You need to know when it's time to cut somebody off. You need to know when it's time to leave the room or leave the conversation. And this is something I'm personally still learning because with my current job, I'm literally telling you those people complain more than they work. I literally could I I kid you not, babe. They complain more than they work and they literally talk everybody talks about everybody there. I don't know, I just don't like it. And I feel like the job is okay when you don't have a person breathing down your neck telling you that the job is not okay. And I don't know, I'm kinda waiting because I'm really hoping and this is bad I know, but I'm really hoping like everybody leaves and I'm the only one there. You know, so I can yeah, I get the hours I want, and it's not really all that in the box of chips. But what I'm trying to say is don't hang around the wrong people. Don't do the don't do stuff that you know that you don't like doing. Because I feel like you're putting yourself at jeopardy here by letting people influence you into doing stuff that you don't do. And then those stuff that stuff could become like a habit, especially if you do this stuff on a regular basis. So, doing that is, yeah. Another one that I see a lot of people asking is how to maintain a school life balance. And I feel like 
this is going to be different for everybody because not everybody has the same classes in a sense of, babe, not literally everybody's taking seven AP classes or not everybody is taking one CP class because that's all they, that's the only credit they need or things of that sort. Or not everybody's taking like three college courses and like three AP classes and so on and so forth. So I would say for me personally, because I have four classes, three of them are in person. And I go to school at like eight, get out at 11 sometimes, and like between 10 and 12 some days. But, well, someday, but one day. Um, my best advice would be no, setting a schedule for yourself and knowing when you need to modify said schedule, such as if you ha- if you know you have an event coming up or you had if you have a concert coming up and it interferes with the regular time that you had to study, what you would do is you would switch around the schedule to where the time that you would give that time. Switch that time out for your free time, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Switch that time out for your free time. And instead of doing the free time, you do homework. And then when you're supposed to be doing your free time, you're at the said concert. Or if you don't really think scheduling works out for you, then my best advice would be to, if you have seven classes or if you have a free period or something like that, my best advice would be to um, try to do as much homework as you can while you're at school. Especially because I know for me personally, school, while I'm there, it makes me feel a bit more productive than when I'm at home. You know, because there's less distractions and stuff of that of that matter. So doing stuff at home makes me, I mean, yeah, it does not make me feel as productive as being at school. So the, I'm more likely personally to do more while I'm at school than while I'm at home in a less um, period, in a smaller period of time. So trying to get as much as you can done possible at school and then also, again, I feel like this is where romanticizing comes in. You can romanticize your life and you can choose to go to the library and spread your books all over the table and make it look like dark academia or whatever. But getting your work done, if it means getting your work done faster so you can go to said concert or something that you need to go to or you want to go hang out with your friends, then that's acceptable, you know, so you can get it done faster so you don't have to worry about it while you're out with your friends. Or... You could wait until you get home and do it, which is sometimes what I do. I'm like, might be up at 12 o'clock and not trying to do homework, but it's fine because I had a good time. And then it's like, it's not like the homework is going to be for tomorrow too. So I can catch up on my sleep then. Honestly, to be honest with y'all, I literally do not know how I am keeping up the school life balance because the way I literally still have time to go out with the besties all the time and I always have schoolwork, but it's some, it's somehow always done. So I'm not complaining. Another thing that I like to um, basically give y'all advice on is style. And with that comes like switching up your style because your style doesn't necessarily stay the same all throughout your life and it does evolve as you evolve as a person. So with switching your style, I feel as though it's more of like a, it's more or less of like a switch up your style when you switch your personality up, you know? And not as in you're being fake, but more as in you're in a new era of your life type of thing. So... With that, how do you switch your style necessarily? It really does depend on how fat, how quickly you want it to change or how comfortable you are with changing your style. Because somebody that's not as comfortable, what I recommend doing is like changing out a piece every now and again. And then when you do get comfortable with changing out those certain pieces, 
I would say try to go full-fledged and just, like, do the whole entire outfit in that specific fashion since that you want to um, sport it in. Or if you're doing it based on the way that your personality is fluctuating, like, let's say, for instance, you have, you have like, um, multiple styles that you want to do. You can really switch it up. Like, there's no, there's not really one specific style assigned to one specific person, you know, so you can switch it up and just all around go and have different styles, you know? Like, if you want to do 80s one minute and then you want to do, like, Dark Academia the next, like, nobody's stopping you, like, go for it if that's what you want to do, you know? Changing your outlook on life can be such an interesting topic switching off from the clothes. So, in order to change your outlook on life, I would say this is kind of like a, are you an optimist or a pessimist kind of thing, where it's like if you look at the world as a half em- ha- the glass is halfway empty or halfway full type of thing, and changing your outlook to look at it as the glass is halfway full, which is most likely like 95% of the time what people mean when they ask about this. And in order to do that, I would say look. On the brighter side of everything, even when you don't think there is necessarily a brighter side to look on. Like, let's say, for instance, you're dealing with, like, a death in your family. Like, yes, there's not a lot of, there's, I say there's not a lot, there's no good that comes out of that. But then what might be something decent afterwards is, hey, you good, now you have to go to a funeral. And you might meet up with some long-lost relatives that you didn't know you had or that you forgot that you had or something like that. So now you're, like, rekindling those relationships and you might you might even, like, keep up communication with those relatives, which is something which um, is something that's very... It's very interesting, and it taps back into my quote, my senior quote, which is, everything happens for a reason. And it's just... It's just living day to day, basically, and looking at everything on the brighter side of things and not always trying to make everything to where it's like, oh, if this happens, then this happens and this happens and this happens. You can't think of it in like a serial and a serial effect. You cannot look at everything in a serial effect because that's what's going to lead you to that glass half empty type of mindset, you know. And also another thing with changing your outlook on your life, it's like. If you're in a terrible place right now, mentally or emotionally or even physically, like if you have a bone broken, I feel like the best thing you can do when you change your outlook on your life is go one day at a time because you're not going to be able to do it all in one day. You're not going to be fully, you're not going to be able to fully heal. I don't care who you are. Like, it's just not, it's just not possible. And if you think you are, you're really not, you know, so just being take being able to take time to really understand what you're going through you yourself and assessing your own needs and just changing your perspective on every on how you view everything even if that does mean literally just going like one by one and seeing everything and being like okay well I don't need to look at it like this I need to look at it like this you know but that's how I think you that's how I feel about changing outlook on life it's It sounds simple, but it's really not as simple as it sounds because I know for me, it took me some, like, it took me a really long time to go from the, like, because when I changed my outlook on my life, I was changing it from more of, like, a, 
ahaha like it was basically like stuff that was like depressing kind of sort of you know so i had to change it from that to it was like you're like prosperous and stuff like that like you can't be saying that stuff and thinking that you wanted to come into fruition because like what if it does and you don't truly want it to you know so it's all about changing it's all about changing that kind of stuff into what you want for your life And then that also, I feel like that has a tie to how to be yourself no matter who it is. So I feel like I talked about this earlier, but you can be yourself around anybody and everybody that you meet. Now, everybody everybody might not like you for who you are, but that doesn't change you having to be yourself. Because there's only one you, and I feel like it's, it would be very tiring if all I met every day was, like, Kim Kardashian's or, like, Beyonce's or, you know, like, anybody with that kind of person, with a set personality, you know? So it's fun to meet different people with, like, dull personalities or bubbly personalities and stuff like that, you know? I'm also going to stop saying you know so much because I've realized I've said, like, ten times in the past five minutes. So... I feel like also another thing with being yourself is I feel like in order to be yourself, you would need to have an emotional outlet. And an emotional outlet is basically somebody you can, like, tell your your feelings, to tell them basically how you're feeling that you can't tell necessarily other people. And an emotional outlet doesn't even have to be, like, a specific living body sometimes. Or when I say living body, it doesn't have to be, like, a human being, but it can be, like, an animal, a pet. Um, It could be a plant, for all that matter. It could be a stuffed animal. It could be a place you like to go to. It could be a beach you like to go to. Um, It could literally be anything you want, but something that's sacred to you that you hold very deeply, that you basically vent all of your emotions. Because I'm telling you, once you get them all off of your chest, it just feels, like, so much better. And that's, like, even before you start, well, that's, well, you've already started, but that's even, like, before you're healed, like, it just feels so much better as a person to get all of that off of your chest. I don't know why it does, because it just does trust. Okay, so I saw something that was, like, somebody who was having, like, some kind of trouble with insecurities, and they were asking how to reverse them. And basically, I'm going to give you, like, advice that I used on myself. It's, like, basically, what I did was I kind of, when you know how like when you're insecure about yourself or your body or whatever and you'll like go in the mirror and like point out everything that's wrong with you what you have to do is a stop looking at yourself in the mirror so much because the more you do it the more you notice what's wrong with you so i would say take a step back and that means don't like take as many selfies as you would usually take i know it might be hard at first but you'll get used to it um don't stop going in the mirror for like the littlest littlest things um even if you're just washing your hands, try not to look in the mirror as much because then, again, you'll start to notice the little things that don't even matter, really. Um, another thing that um, helped me was I stopped... I stopped, like, talking down on myself, and when I would, I would kind of, like, correct myself, you know, in a way. Especially when I had to do with my body, you know? I would kind of be like, okay, well... Like, you have flabs, and then it's like, okay, but some days you do, and some days you don't. And you just kind of have to offer yourself that reassurance that, 
yes, you have it, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like you're unlovable. And if you think that's that you should be loved based on your appearance, then you really do not belong in a relationship. I feel as though. And another way that I um that I got over my insecurities, not completely, but like ninety eight percent, is you just have to offer yourself. That it's all about self-love, I feel as though, that nobody else can really give to you. Nobody else can love you the way that you love you because nobody else is going to know you the way you know you. As much as you think you tell other people, nobody knows exactly how you feel. Even if they have gone through the same exact situation because they didn't go through the same exact situation with the same exact person at the same exact time, with the same exact event, so on and so forth. So, yeah, just having that self-love and loving yourself and your and even in your insecurities, you have to love those two in order to get over them. So, like, let's say if your insecurities are your dark circles, you just have to around your eyes. You have to let your know. Uh, you just have to let yourself know that hey, like I I moisturize my skin two times a day. I wash my face. Like, there's nothing I can do about those. Like, those are just hereditary, or those are just a part of me and I just have to live with it and that's okay because I that just makes me look unique from other people you know but how to reverse insecurities was definitely it's more of a it's more of a topic that's very broad and sometimes it'll take somebody a couple of weeks to get over their insecurities and then it does sometimes take up to a year to get over them or even, like, years for that matter, because some of them, some people have insecurities that are so deeply driven by not only themselves, but it could be, like, family members, friends, acquaintances, exes. They just have those insecurities that are deeply rooted in them that they just need to slowly, you know, like, kind of dig out until they finally nip it in the bud and there's, like, no more of it, or there's, like, not enough to where they want to to where they're emotionally self-harming themselves for having those thoughts or feeling that way. But this next one is seasonal depression and how to avoid it. So if you don't know what seasonal depression is, seasonal depression is basically when the weather changes or when daylight saving time, I forgot whether it was like ends or starts, or when... uh, or when there's, like, a less productive period in your life, you start to get, like, depressive episodes or you start to become more manic or stuff like that. Or you start to have more, like, episodes if you're bipolar or stuff like that. But basically, seasonal depression happens to a lot, a lot, a lot of people more than you would even realize. And there are there are some ways to avoid it, but these ways don't work for everybody in a way. So I'm going to give you the ways that I use to avoid mine this season, even though it kind of still hit for like a day or two, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. So basically always, always, always keep yourself busy. And when I say busy, I don't mean like backbreaking work busy. I mean, as in keep your mind going. So if that's like wash your hair one moment and then you're cleaning your room the next moment, and then you're going on a run with music in your ears at one moment and then you're going on a drive to go run errands one moment like that kind of stuff is fine just keeping yourself busy 
But the worst thing you can do around these times is just sit down and do nothing or lay down or stay in bed way past the time you know you're supposed to. Because that's usually how it starts because you're giving your brain time to think about things that have happened. And that's okay to do, but not, not, I want to say not late at night. Definitely not late at night. Like that's the worst thing you do. That's the worst thing you do. Or like really, really early in the morning, like one or two o'clock a.m. That's the worst thing you could do is have let your brain have that time to think about think about terrible things that have happened to you in your life. Um, another way to avoid it besides keeping your brain busy is just talking to somebody again with that emotional outlet thing. Just having somebody to talk to or something to talk to can really help you avoid those feelings because of the fact that you won't overthink it as much once you fully... I feel like that's also another thing with the overthinking thing. I don't know if I'm talking... Yeah, I've talked about it. With the overthinking, if you have an emotional outlet, once you let it all out, you're going to hear it yourself. And it's all going to... And it's the logic of it all is all also going to start adding itself up. And you're going to be like, well, was my response logical or was it illogical? Which thinks, Which is going back to overthinking as well. And it's like... Well, if you do all of this, then there's less of a chance you'll get seasonal depression because you're you're basically being logic about all your logical about all your decisions and thoughts, you know. And what is my third one? My third one is try to have as much fun as possible. Like I have a couple friends that I go out with and we're always having fun and this and the third. So it's not like I can really say that I'm just trapped in the house all day. And if your version of having fun is like gro- going grocery shopping, go grocery shopping as much as possible. But don't go grocery shopping and then go spend $200 on groceries every time you go grocery shopping. Like go grocery shopping for like a meal or go grocery shopping for like bare essentials or stuff like that. Or just like go walk around the store. That could also be very therapeutic for some people or around the mall and stuff like that. You know, just basic stuff to get you out of the house and out of your own mindset. But I do say that to say that you don't, I, when I say that, I don't mean avoid your emotions completely or avoid your thoughts completely, because that's when that suppressed, that's when that suppressed thought, those suppressed thoughts come back to nip you in the bud later on when you least expect it. And then the depression can get be even worse and it's not even seasonal at that point, you know? But... I feel like I say all that to say seasonal depression is avoidable and I believe in you all and you can do it. Another way is getting another thing that I love to talk about is getting over the body, the the body, the beauty. Well, yeah, body too, but the beauty standards of our society today, they're so they're they're, what So what they are is European they're basically centered around European beauty standards that run like from way, 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 way back, back when the thirteen colonies were thir- was still a thing. So, um, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who beauty, what beauty standards are, what the beauty standards are, at least for America. And if you don't, they're basically like uh, I don't know the I don't know how to describe the eyes. The eyes, there are no real like beauty beauty standards, because to me personally, all eyes are beautiful. But whatever. Um, well, all faces are beautiful to me, but anyways, like, the nose, 
the noses for the beauty standards is like small, dainty, um, not wide, not crooked. It's like the line is straight with a little um, curve at the curve at the end of your nose, where your nostrils are. Um, you know, like not big nostrils, none of that. That's the beauty standard for that. And then for lips, it's like mid fair lips. And things of that sort. So no, like, gigantic lips, but also no, like, no lips at all, you know? And then it's, like, nice forehead, like, not a five or infinity head or so on and so forth. Nice hairline, stuff like that. But that's basically the beauty standards. And I feel like those those needed to be abolished a long time ago. Um, They're very unreasonable. And there are people who fall in love all the freaking time without the beauty standards that go way out of the European beauty standards. And that's totally fine. I I do root for those people. But I feel like what, the beauty standards, A, needed need to be rooted out of the modeling system because as much as people want to believe that people don't, that the modeling agencies don't follow the beauty standards anymore, that's a lie and they most definitely do. They're just like, they go for the same beauty standards, but they go for people of color that are, like, a little, a little, a little bit out of the beauty standard, basically. So, like, for instance, they'll, like, get a Sudanese model with, like, bigger than average lip sizes or, you know, just, like, basic stuff like that. It's not really stepping out of the beauty standard. It's more of, like, a, like, we'll inch out of here, but we're definitely staying in our comfort zone type of thing. So, and basically, how you get over that, um, to be honest with y'all, it kind of dates back to the how to reverse your insecurities. You just got to be like, yeah, like, I myself am perfect, and that's all that matters. Like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, because at the end of the day, they're not living inside of my body. I am my own person. I take care of myself. I am, I know from myself that I am healthy. If you exercise, you exercise. If you don't, you don't. I eat vegetables. Just like basic stuff like that. Like knowing that you take care of yourself is all that should matter at the end of the day. If you do skincare, then great, babe. And if you break out, just know your face is still clean. That's just your body doing what your body does. You could have sensitive skin and so on and so forth. So it doesn't really matter what you are compared to other people. So in the last but not least at all topic that I will be talking about today is how to deal with change. So change is definitely one of the more interesting things that I love to encounter. I love to go through it. Um, Change is very difficult for some people. I have personally experienced that. Um, and what changes is basically when your life is turning around and you're going in a different direction that you're not necessarily comfortable with. And sometimes you can be comfortable with it, but for the most part, most people are not comfortable with change. Me, on the other hand, I've had so many jobs in the past year, babe. Change is like my bestie. But I've seen a lot of people that have stayed at jobs for like 15 years. They literally hate it. They hate their lives because of the job, but they're not, they're not switching jobs. They're not going to a jo- another job. That they might have even got accepted at because for the simple fact of they're afraid of change. So basically how you deal with that, I would say, so starting off, I feel like that could 
I feel like being afraid of change also deals with something of a more childhood traumatic experience type of thing. Like if you were always switching schools or if you never did switch schools, so on and so forth, both of those things could, could contribute to people's fear of changes. So I, I, you have to take that into account with how long this it might take you in order to get rid of the fear of change. So let's say, for instance, you fear that you're going to have to change schools, which means new friends, like it could potentially mean new curriculum, um, new rules, so on and so forth. So what you do is you you might do research. Like, for instance, if you're going to a restaurant as well. OK, let me go back to my first example. What am I doing? It, for the school, if you want to, you can look up. You can look up the rules. You can look up what people tend to do in that area. So you're not completely mind boggled when you get there and you see that the stuff that you're doing and the the stuff that they're accustomed to is totally different from the stuff that you do and that you practice at your current school. Or if you go to a restaurant and that you've never been to, like a fancy restaurant, and you look up the menu like I do. Because you're usually used to going to a Charlie's, but instead of going to a Charlie's, you decide to go to, I don't know, some fancy restaurant, let's just say season 52, and you decide to go to season 52 instead of old Charlie's, you're like, hmm, let me go look up the restaurant because I'm used to old Charlie's, but I'll, I'll do a change for once and go to season 52. So you look up the menu or you look up what the place is about or you see how they operate just so you're not totally confused or lost once you get there, you know? You can do some background information in order for you to not be as uncomfortable in the whole entire process of change. I guess is what I'm basically trying to say. Also, dealing with change can require, like, I would say, find your person that's like kind of like the eye in the storm, somebody that makes you feel comfortable among, um, a while you are changing whatever you are changing in your life, whether that be like a job or something like that, or if you're changing if you're moving try to go to your well i really hope you go to your the town that you're moving to before you move there but try going to the place that you're moving to and see if you can find a friend or something that like can hook you up with deals for the trucks or whatever you know just like basic stuff like that that kind of makes you feel more comfortable and more grounded while you're changing your life around because change can be sometimes most i say sometimes most of the time Change is really, really good, especially for us as human beings, because we require change. Like, we're not supposed to be the same our whole entire life, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally. We're always supposed to be evolving, never the same. And with that, I am ending this episode. This was really cute. Let me know what y'all think about this episode idea and if I should continue the series or not. And like I said, the Twitter for my podcast is at self therapy instead of the L in self. It's a one. And I will catch y'all later. Mm-hmm.